Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show is brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. You know, when it comes to insurance, you want to get the best coverage. I don't care whether it's auto, home, life, business insurance. And you need to go to a great insurance agent. I mean, one that puts you first. Understand your situation. You're not just another number to them along the way. Makes a big difference. Makes a big difference that you're just not a number to them. It's personal. Hey, great to see you. They know you by your first name. They know exactly what your insurance needs happen to be. They know what your budget happens to be in terms of what you have for insurance. They make sure you're completely covered. And by the way, if there is a claim, they act as if it happened to them because they're your partner in all of this. That's Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. I'm in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Roots 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sean McDonough of ESPN calling Monday Night Football, Eagles and Redskins in just a few moments. But first, our play-by-play call of the day. 30 yards, snap is good, the ball is down, Housekins kick is up, and it is good! It is good! 14 seconds left on the clock, House Money, they're playing with House Money again today! Steven Houska! The Bills won that game yesterday. Uh, Steven Houska knocked the field goal home with 14 seconds to go, and the Bills were able to pull out another win, and guess what? They're the 4-2 and two Buffalo Bills when some people thought they would be 0-16. The team with the best record in the NFL, the only 5-1 and one team in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles. They take on the Washington Redskins tonight at the link. Sean McDonough will call it. Last time I think I talked to Sean, I would say it would have been probably a couple of years ago at the Heights when Penn State played Boston College of Basketball. Sean, it's great to hear you again. Yeah, it's good to be with you, my friend. Doing well, and uh, it's interesting how a schedule plays out uh, because in the schedule that you have, you've got Eagles and Redskins coming up on Monday night, and the way the season's played out, that's become a more intriguing game. What are some of the initial thoughts as you head into this weekend with that one coming up? Well, you know, Philadelphia, as you know now, is alone with the best record in the league at 5-1. and one. They're the only team that has uh, one loss. Every other team in the league has at least two, so... They're playing really well. I've spent a lot of time uh, today watching a lot of tape. John Gruden sends us some coaching cut-ups every week about the different aspects of the two teams. And, you know, they're not only 5-1, and one, but they're very impressive doing it. They're just playing really good football on both sides of the ball. So I think it's uh, a great story, their success, and it's a very big game for Washington. They're 3-2. and two. They've already lost once to Philadelphia, so... I mean, if you if you go to three and three, while Philly goes to six and one, and you've lost twice uh, within your own division of that team, it, it's really going to be hard for Washington to win the division. So, it's early in the year, but I, I think it's really kind of a must-win game for the Redskins. Sean, I, I watched some of the Eagles game when they played Carolina. Something that stuck out to me right away is they got pressure with four. 
I mean, you talk to Coach Bruden all the time, and you've done so many games in your lifetime, for goodness sakes. You know, what does it mean when the team can get pressure with just four, and what can they do with the other seven guys? Well, you know, they're playing good defense, really, as a result of that. I think Jim Schwartz, who coordinates the Eagles' defense, has done a great job. But, you know, they're very deep up front. Uh, they have guys who can play inside and outside. You know, I think Fletcher Cox is one of the best players in the league at his position. Certainly, Brandon Graham's having a great year. But, uh, you know, they've got eight or nine guys that they rotate in there. So, uh, you know, not only are they talented, but they're fresh all the time, too. And that's definitely been, Steve, a key to their success, you know, the, the ability to get pressure with those four guys. I'll flip it to the other side. You've got the Redskins coming up on, on Monday night. You mentioned the 3-2 and two record and the loss to Philadelphia. What are you seeing and not seeing when you look at the tapes? Well, you know, we had them a couple of weeks ago on Monday Night Football in Kansas City. You know, I think they're much improved defensively. That's been the big problem that they've had under Jay Gruden. You know, they've uh, had three defensive coordinators in four years. They just aren't very talented, haven't been very talented on defense. I think they're more talented, and they've made a couple changes on the defensive staff, I think, that have helped as well. And then what happened is they got banged up on defense. You know, Josh Norman went out in the game we did. Uh, they've had a couple of other starting defensive backs go down. So they're really fighting the injury situation on both sides of the ball, but particularly on the defensive side. But you know, I think when they're healthy, uh, you know, they're a playoff-caliber team. Uh, so I know when I, the one broadcasting class I teach here at Penn State, I always tell the students there's two things I can't tell you. I can't tell you the surefire way to get a job, and I can't teach you what chemistry is. Now, I've been fortunate in what I do with Penn State football, for example, that working with Jack Ham, it just happened right away. Did, he, did you sense that with, with John Gruden right away, or did it take a little bit? For the time, you know, he's a complex guy, and I mean that in a good way, but, you know, there's a lot right. of layers to him and his personality and the way he likes to do things. You know, he's done this for seven or eight years now, and prior to last year it had always been with Mike Tirico. You know, that's the only person he had ever worked with. Is you know, whereas you know, in the 100 years that I've been doing this and all the different sports, I've literally worked with hundreds <laughs> of different analyst right. so you know i think his uh, approach was kind of set in stone and he's done it very successfully with mike for so long so you know i wanted to blend in and adapt to the way he's done what makes him comfortable and the people in the trial they've done it with john so you know it took me a little while i think to figure out what he likes and what he doesn't like but i think we're in a really good uh, groove now and it gets better every week uh, it's interesting because uh, Michigan played Michigan State a couple of weeks ago at Michigan, and of course the, the famous call that you made of the Jackson Watt touchdown at the end, and the on O'Neill's uh, uh, muff of trying to catch and trying to kick the ball. Miss the college game at all? I mean, look, you're not going to trade one of the marquee assignments in the world, no question. But do you miss the college game a bit? I do, and you're right. You know, I wouldn't give Monday Night Football back because it's awesome, and I'm enjoying the heck out of it, and it's you know the highest rated thing. ESPN and in most Monday nights it's the most rated TV show on all of television. So, you know, it's a real honor to be the play-by-play person on this package that goes back almost 50 years. There have only been five play-by-play people, so you know, it was a great thrill when they offered it to me and it's actually lived up to that as I've been doing that. But that having been said, you know, I was reading the promo for your game tomorrow night when we were on Monday night, we were promoting Michigan State and Penn, uh, Michigan and Penn State and I really, uh, you know, that was one of those times when I thought, wow, that would be a fun game to do. I'm around college football to go to places like State College or some of the other great venues where you, know, you just walk into the parking lot and you feel the anticipation of the game and there's the build-up all week. You, know, you have that in the NFL too, but that part of it is not quite the same. So 
I'm looking forward to watching that game on Saturday night, and uh, I still have my Heisman Trophy vote, so be paying close attention to the fun running back up there who, uh, you know, from all accounts is not only a terrific player, but everything I've ever read about him, you know, he has the kind of character that you would want a Heisman Trophy candidate to have. Even though I've been announcing games around here for, for decades, I think people know I grew up in New England. So I grew up, yes, a diehard Red Sox fan. So for me, part of Sean McDonough is Red Sox TV broadcaster. So I miss you doing baseball, by the way, very much. Well, thank you. Uh, I miss doing it. But uh, yeah. but it was a fun yeah. 17 years, you know, to grow up and be a big Red Sox fan and to have the chance to do their games on local TV for 17 years really was a treat. So i got to ask you. What does the what does the old town team have to do here? Because you still follow it closely. <laughs> yeah, well, I think they need to get another bat. You know, they, when they when David Ortiz decided to retire, you know, he was just such a presence in the middle of that lineup, made everybody else better, and he was just such a clutch hitter. You know, they really struggled to score runs this year. I thought they did very well to win the division, and obviously, you know, they pitched pretty well. But it was uh, more of a struggle than we're accustomed to seeing here for the Red Sox to score runs and. You know, they, uh, I don't know the exact numbers, but I know they had among the lowest total of home runs in the league, which for a Red Sox team is really strange. So I think they need to go out and get a big bat and know that lineup who can help them score more runs. It's been an interesting career for you, and you're always looking forward, so I understand that. You're looking and locked in on Eagles and Redskins on Monday night. But have you ever sat back and thought about all the different twists and turns and networks and so forth that you've worked for? Oh, yeah. It's been a wild journey. I mean, I had the opportunity to do the Red Sox games when I was 25 years old, and CBS was giving me the opportunity to do the World Series to do when I was 30. And, you know, that went away because CBS lost the World Series. I wound up leaving CBS, and there's been a lot of wonderful events, you know, major championship golf tournaments, major bowl games, you know, that sort of thing. But, you know, it never really quite got back to the one of the real top-rung jobs, you know, like the World Series, until I had this opportunity. And, you know, you get to a certain point. I was 54 last year when they offered this to me. And you start to wonder if you're ever going to get a chance to sort of have that front-line job. And I never felt sorry for myself because we had a lot of people working at ESPN who were positions, including Mike Chirico. And, you know, 99% of the people who are doing what we do, Steve, would kill to do any game on ESPN. So you know, I always tended to take the approach that I was very fortunate to have that opportunity rather than look at what was above me and, and wish that I had the opportunity. Yeah, do you still have that moment where you go into the booth Monday night and look around and say, this is, this is really cool? <laughs> yeah, I have it every week, and I have a feeling yeah. it will never go away. You know, it's... Uh, I remember the first week, you know, standing there in the on-camera position and getting ready to go on. And, you know, it's been a long time since I was nervous on TV, really, but I was very conscious of how quick my uh, heart rate was that night. And when they played that iconic theme music in my head, that really was an out-of-body experience. <laughs> I think that's when it fully hit me that, you know what, I'm actually doing this job that, uh, that only Keith Jackson... Al Michaels and Frank Gifford and Mike Tirico have had a chance to do ahead of me. And, you know, as I said before, that's a part of the appeal of this to me that you know there was only four people who had done it before, and to me, they're four of the greatest broadcasters, football broadcasters of all time. Well, they couldn't have made a better choice. I appreciate the time you gave us very much. I know you're in game prep mode right now, and the fact you gave us a few minutes today was great. Sean, thanks so much. Hey, always a pleasure to talk to you, Steve, and uh, have a great weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun up there. Take good care of our ESPN and ABC colleagues. 
John McDonough of ESPN. Monday Night Football tonight, he's got Eagles and Redskins. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right, Matt Leon from KYW in Philadelphia to preview tonight's Eagles-Redskins game in the final half hour. You'll hear the game tonight on Eagle 107. It's great to have you with us on the show today. The Steelers won yesterday, and now you're getting complaints from the Bengals about uh, how the game played out, and uh, in particular from Joe Mixon, who had seven carries for 48 yards in the game. But, you know, Mixon's concerned. He says, he says I look at Le'Veon Bell. He's touching the ball 35 times in a game. He got 134 yards rushing and 58 yards receiving. He said, we need more touches over here. Uh and so far, he has 74 carries on the season for 235 yards. Now, that's less than four yards a carry. Meanwhile, Bell has 169 carries for 684 yards. And he's saying, look, I need to touch the ball more in the offense. We'll see. Well, I mean that's that's always been a way too. Like, I mean, Mixon was getting almost seven yards a carry yesterday. Now, maybe for the season, he's getting four or less. Mm-hmm. But yesterday, he was pulling seven yards a carry. I, I I can see his beef a little bit. But again, I didn't watch the game, so it looks like the Steelers were up, um, pretty early. Steelers defensively were outstanding in the second half. They held the Bengals to nineteen yards total. Right. So without in, seeing in the, the second points. half of that game. Yeah. Without seeing the splits, I I mean I ca- I can't go to bat for Mixon on that one. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean it it's a rhythm game. Running game is always about rhythm, and the more you hand the ball off, the more yards and usually yards per carry you're going to get, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. Well, th- that's his complaint. He's saying, look, I need more than just seven touches in a game, and maybe he's right. He obviously is a talented young player. There's no getting around it. So I can see, you know, uh, a frustration setting in, but you know, let it play out, um, and we'll find out. I mean, the remember the Bengals started out zero and three, and they've at least come back some. The Steelers were able to win yesterday with relative ease when it was all said and done. By the way, the Michigan student photographer who was injured on the Karan Higdon touchdown run, is doing okay. Uh, is doing okay. Well, that's good news. Uh, yeah, she uh, she was on the sideline near the end zone, and she got hit. Now, she did take the picture, by the way, before she got belted. Uh, her name is Sammy Astoloff. She's a junior at Michigan. She does freelance photography for the Big Ten Network. Uh, Now, right now she's on crutches, but otherwise she's okay. So you saw her get hit on that touchdown play, and uh, and people probably wondered, how's she doing? Well, she's doing okay. She She sent out a really nice tweet thanking the Penn State paramedics who helped her out, uh, and... Uh, Stoloff, though, to her credit, uh, took a really 
great picture of of Higdon flying toward her. Wow. Uh, as she took the shot, shows him getting inside the pylon and then him coming suddenly at her. Now that's dedication. And, yeah, that is dedication. So I'm glad to say that she says she's doing all right. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, But they did have to stop the game for a period of time because because she got hit, and that's why they had to delay the game. We were wondering, we were looking down there, and they came out to kick off. Penn State was going to receive. And also, you know, we're looking down there, and we're like, well, I didn't see it at first. And then they stopped, and then I'm the first thing I'm looking for is the red hat. Well, the reason I'm looking at the red hat is I wanted to see if well maybe they had to double up a commercial, right? Maybe maybe TV had to double up on a commercial. Okay, now look, and the red hat is not out there. <laughs> oh boy! Then finally, I think it was Jeff Tarman that saw it. He pointed down the corner and said, "Oh, somebody must have been hit." Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, that's one of the areas of the stadium where it's tight. Uh, what makes Beaver Stadium a great experience is that you do not have bad seats in there for anyone along the way. Well, that's because the seats are, you know, starting bottom up or relatively close to the field. For example, I'll go to Ohio Ohio Stadium coming up on Saturday. And they've got the field lower there, which is probably a, a, a safety measure. And it's also built up higher on the two sides with decks. You know, Penn State doesn't have that. And, of course, that means it's going to get pretty tight in the corners. And tight in the corners, it's less room for the uh, photographers to operate down there. Um. By the way, I think Fox reached out to Vince Scully about joining them for a little bit on the World Series broadcast, and he said no. Hmm. He he retired last fall. He says, I just don't feel I belong there. Uh, He told the L.A. Daily News in an email, I honestly don't feel I belong there. I would not want anyone to think I was eager for a spotlight, which has been typical of him. And that's amazing. I mean, that's just uh, an amazing mark of, like, what kind of person he is and what kind of professional he is and how much respect he has for the people that came after him. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And, of course, you know, he had one of the great calls of all time on the Kirk Gibson Mm -hmm. home run, which is uh, 1988, 29 years ago. And it was a slice of... Perfection, the way, of course, he called it. And let's see here. I think I can. I think I can muster this up for you. I'm trying right uh, now. So. Be, no, no. I think I. I think I've got it here. As a matter of fact, uh, Kirk Gibbs. Here we go. All right. And it's just the call's unbelievable. That's people cheering for Sean. He just walked in the building. <laughs> and the swollen right knee. Push off. We don't need the whole act back here. to Carney Lansford. Oh, 
Well, what we'll do is we'll play it for you after the news at the bottom of the hour. Great moment that he had against the A's. And that's the uh, World Series home run by Kirk Gibson, which is the last time the Dodgers were in. So we'll play that for you in the next half hour, plus Matt Leon from Philadelphia. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. If you're not insured with the Purdy Insurance Agency, you may not be getting the most out of your insurance coverage. Locally owned and family operated for over 90 years, the experienced team at Purdy will compare your rates and coverage among a number of nationally recognized insurers to make sure you're getting the most out of your insurance dollars. And once you join the Purdy family of customers, you'll experience service and claims handling that's second to none. Call 1-800-677-2478 to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Just a few moments. Uh, Vince Scully's call the World Series in a moment. Normally we do the sports bozo of the day. I don't want to do that today. There's a little boy in Santa Rosa, California named Lauren Smith. He loves baseball. And notice the first part I said. He's from Santa Rosa, California. That's where the wildfires have torn through and just just ruined communities. Burned down homes. You know, and... and when a, when something happens in a court you know, to a home, I, whether it's a flood like Harvey, whether it's a fire like Northern California, look around your own home. Think of all the personal items that have some meaning to you. Your family pictures, maybe family videos wedding album something you picked up on a vacation for example well for nine year old Lauren Smith he loves the Oakland A's from Santa Rosa right near the right near the bay loves the A's so he had all the A's baseball cards he had hats he had memorabilia 
and it all was lost in the fire. So this nine-year-old sits down and writes a letter to the A's saying what happened. He feels badly about it, but he also knows if there's nothing they can do, he completely understands. Well, of course, the A's read the letter and say, oh, my goodness, we have to do something about this. So they go up there, they get him, they bring him down to Oakland, and they replenish all of his memorabilia, which, of course, they didn't have to do, but they did it. And then the other teams found out as well, and they started sending Colorado Rockies, the Washington Nationals, the Red Sox, minor league teams started sending stuff out there, T-shirts, baseball cards, batting gloves, towels, everything, bats. So the Smith family now is getting all of this sent to them by major and minor league teams, and instead of them keeping it, they're now handing it out to all the other kids in the neighborhood so that they have something that's that they get a chance to look forward to having. All out of a letter from a victim of the wildfires in Santa Rosa, California. It's a beautiful story. Sure is. Now, Vince Scully, 29 years ago, he's not going to do the World Series, but the last time the Dodgers were in, he had this moment. Sacks waiting on deck, but the game right now is at the plate. Is a pro's pro right there at work at his craft. He let the pictures play out. There was no need to say a word. And then when he finally had words to say, they were the best. Ben Scully, you are missed. All right. Coming up tonight, it is going to be the Eagles and the Washington Redskins at the link. The irony is for the Eagles, they haven't had a lot of home games this year. Finally get some home games. Going to be an Eagle 107 tonight with Merrill and Mike. And joining us from KYW Philadelphia 
is Matt Leon. Matt, welcome. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Good to be with you. All right. Uh, Eagles are number one in the NFL in third down offense. What has allowed that to work? Uh, I think the quarterback and the play calling. They have done. I mean, Wentz is really good in third downs. It might actually be when he shines the brightest. Uh, and they've done a good job of getting matchups where if they need six, they get nine. They need five, they get seven. One of the things, and I draw the comparison to Andy Reid because uh, Peterson's so closely tied at the hip to, to Reid in many people's eyes. Uh, but when Reid was here, one of the things that was infuriating about his play calling was a lot of times on third and five, they would run a lateral pass at the line of scrimmage that had no chance of working. One thing that's worked really well here is they are calling a lot of plays that get them well past where they need to get on third down. And I know it sounds very simple and, and basic, but you'd be surprised. If you watch a lot of NFL, you're, you're, you're probably not surprised that a, a lot of coaches don't do that. And that's something they've done really well. But I think a lot of it is also uh, – Wentz just does a good job of knowing where he needs to get the football and uh, getting the matchup he needs to, to keep the chains moving. You're also talking about a team that's had extra time because they were the Thursday night matchup with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, when you've had a chance to listen to the players, how valuable was that? I think it was big. I think there are a lot of things that have been big the last week and a half uh, from just the way things have fallen. I think having this basically what amounts to a mini-buy here uh, with that Thursday night uh, game against Carolina and the fact that they won that game makes it even bigger. Uh, but in, you kind of take a step back here. Uh, you know, the Eagles are 5-1, and one and there's a lot of excitement about that. But what I think real people could really get jazzed about, four of the first six games were on the road. That's right. And, you know, to go 5-1 and one with the schedule stacked up a little bit against you uh, like that and now to be staring down, you know, three straight home games here – uh, and a buy tacked on at the end there. You know, they're not going to have to leave Philadelphia for a month, which is really big here as you, you start to pivot towards the second half of the season. And uh, it gives you a chance now with these next three games specifically, they've got a chance to really grab the conference by the throat and really take control as, a, as a, incredible as it would have thought six, seven weeks ago as the best team in the NFC, bar none. Right. They're, they're the only five and one team. That's yeah. it. There's one. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's interesting. The Redskins, they beat them on opening day down in Landover 30-17. to What worked that day? Uh, The Eagles' defensive line really dictated, and they ended up scoring the the final touchdown of the game on a Fletcher Cox fumble return. But the the pass rush was active. Uh, Wentz played well. you know, didn't make uh, didn't make mistakes. I would really, I would probably point to Wentz, and I would point to the defensive line as the two things that uh, were really, really key in that game. As the Eagles got out to a fast start, Washington actually came back to take the lead. I think it was 14-13 uh, before the Eagles grabbed control of the game in the second half. So, and you know, given the way things have gone here, there's no reason to think that those two things won't be big in the Eagles' favor tonight. And I also think another big thing is uh, no Josh Norman for Washington. Norman did a really good job of uh, holding Alshon Jeffrey in, in check in that game and uh, with him out with a rib injury. I think people have been waiting for Alshon Jeffrey to have that breakout game, that nine for a buck fifty and two scores, and, you know, maybe tonight's the night. No Josh Norman tonight. What kind of effect could that have in the game? Oh, I think it'll open up the passing game. Uh, I think uh, 
you will see the Eagles get a lot of favorable matchups on paper. I mentioned Alshon Jeffrey. It's also, you know, you could see Torrey Smith be more of a factor than he's been in most of the games this year. Uh, but I think Washington, in addition to Norman being out, and that's the headline, they've got a lot of guys that are banged up in that secondary as well. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me to see the Eagles really try to take some shots here and, and really put the, the Redskins secondary on its heels, especially early on, and try and set a tone. I mentioned earlier, uh, Matt, that the Eagles are number one in the NFL in third-down conversion percentage, but a lot of people don't realize, too, they're also number one in fewest yards given up rushing, and they're also number one in time of possession. Are we seeing now a formula for the, how the Eagles win? Oh, yeah, and I think, you know, at any level of football, most coaches will tell you, if you can run the football and you can stop the run, you're going to be successful a lot more than you're not. And uh, I don't think many people would have thought that would have been uh, what the Eagles have done here uh, coming into the season. But uh, I go back to how good that defensive line was week one against uh, against the Redskins. I mean, the defensive line has played really well uh, as far as stopping the run here week in and week out. Uh, and as far as running the football, it's kind of interesting. You know, uh, a lot of people kind of uh, rolled their eyes when the Eagles signed LeGarrette Blunt in the offseason, and uh, I don't think people thought much of the move, thought it was probably nothing in the tank. And, and of course, we all remember that game two against Kansas City seems right. like three years ago now, but he didn't get a touch uh, as far as a, uh, a rush from the line of scrimmage. And uh, they have done a really good job at getting him in, in situations he can really succeed. He has shown a burst that same burst we saw in New England. Uh, and he has been complimented by Wendell Smallwood before he got hurt. Corey Clement uh, has done a nice job, uh, you know, uh, mixing in as well. And uh, they do a good job of keeping the run in the game at all times. They don't get past happy. They, I feel like Doug Peterson, whether he would admit it to the media or not, learned a lesson that game week two against Kansas City when they kind of abandoned the run and, and you know they were completely out of whack in the run pass ratio. It's been it's been much more balanced since then, uh, and more importantly, it's been effective. You can be balanced all you want, but if you're averaging a yard and a half to carry, it doesn't matter. Uh, they have mixed in solid play calling with very good execution offensively, and that's how you get the five and one. The Redskins had beaten them five consecutive games until the Eagles won the opener in Landover. Was that one of those psychological hurdles that then changed the tone of how they think about their team? I would think so because a lot of those games, like the two games specifically last year, Washington couldn't run the football last year except when they played the Eagles. I think they had like 400 yards rushing in the two games against the Eagles. Right. And Kirk, Kirk Cousins has always sliced and diced the birds. Yeah. He has had some of his best performances uh, in his career against the Eagles. Uh, but they – they held him under wraps week one. They were they they knocked him around more than they had. They turned him over more than they had week one. They they made him look very pedestrian. Uh, so there probably was a lot of, uh, of things on the mental side they were able to get past. But I also think you have to kind of keep in the back of your mind that this is also a guy though that has had a ton of success against uh, the Eagles in his career, and you, you you've got to be wary of that. I don't think one game necessarily slays that dragon completely. The time of possession component, what has that meant to their winning? I think what it means is, is the defense, instead of playing 75 snaps, has to play 55 snaps. We go back yep. to the defensive line. You can keep guys fresh, and they'll, they'll mix in guys, and they're able to, to generate more pressure off the edge. Uh, 
Uh, it all works in tandem. It re- really does, you know, as far as uh, the, the team aspect of this, you know. A better running game leads to a more balanced offense, which takes pressure off the passing game, which allows you to keep the football, which keeps your defense off the field, which means your defense is fresher when it's on the field, and it can be more aggressive deeper into the game. Uh, so it, it really has played really well here. And I mean, you know, I never would have thought five and one. You could have asked me probably every day in August, what do you think they're <laughs> going to be? Seriously, six games I in. And, and not at one point would I have said, oh, they'd be five and one in the one seed in the NFC. But it's legit. Like you watch them, you know, they, they have really earned this. And, uh, it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. I don't want to say that five and one was the easy part, but it, it was. It's just going to get exponentially tougher just because of the way the NFL is. And even though the schedule opens up with these home games, and they've got a chance here. Now teams are going to start circling them on the calendar. You're going to see teams come for them, and you're going to have to see, you know, how does Doug Peterson handle success? Because a lot of times that's uh, that's almost as difficult as dealing with what he dealt with last year when they fell apart after a 3-0 and start. Uh, can you keep the team sharp? Can you keep them from not overlooking uh, uh, opponents? I don't think that's going to be a problem tonight, but like next Sunday, you know, they play San Francisco, a San Francisco team that, that just got absolutely dismantled by Dallas Oof, yesterday. It will, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, how they handle that, if they, especially if they're able to, to win tonight and pick up a big division win at home. What do they look like next week when they play a, a terrible 49ers team at home in a game that just kind of screams being flat as a pancake? Right. No question about that. Uh, that's... There's always a challenge, I don't know, but you know what? I found the NFL, you know, it's really interesting. You know, ratings have been falling. Stadiums in some places they aren't sold out. They've had a lot of swirl around them all year. Yet I feel like this is the most unpredictable football season the NFL I've seen in years. I I, I can't predict week to week what's going on. No, and I think that you know the fact that you're six games in and the Eagles, or you'll be seven games in. But right now, the Eagles are the only one loss team in football. That's right. I mean, you got a couple of teams at five and two. Uh, I think the NFL is always a week to week league for the most part, as far as uh, you know, how did a team play the week before? They're going to be emotionally high the next week, stuff like that. But I think it is on steroids this year. I think it is uh, the, the swings in performances from teams from one week to the next is really something this year. And I don't know exactly what to, to point to about that. How much of that is the, you know, teams playing on the Thursday nights and teams playing in London. It might be a lot of little things where, right. you know, uh, instead of a team playing a home game the week before, now they're going to London to play and they're coming back. And not everybody necessarily has a bye after that. And, you know, it, it plays a little bit more into things. And, and all the extra Thursday night games play a little bit more into teams being a little flatter or a little – uh, more juiced up for, for matchups and stuff like that. But I agree with you. I think uh, it really is, you know, you kind of throw probably 28 teams in a pot week to week and you don't know what you're going to get. I think all those factors come into play. You know, the London thing, I mean, it's quite a performance yesterday put up by the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, all right. So. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing is you see a lot of games. I mean, Arizona's not a good team, but they're not no. terrible either. No. And they, I mean, they, they just rolled an absolute, and I know Carson Palmer getting hurt, but they right. were terrible before he got hurt. Like, you're right. just seeing a lot of teams roll goose eggs out there uh, on a weekly basis. And by the way, they have a, Drew Stanton is a good NFL backup quarterback. I mean, this yeah. is not, this is not, I think a lot of teams would like to have him as their backup, not their starter, but they'd like to have him as their backup quarterback. So it's a little like they ran out somebody who just like, okay, hey, take a knee, we're leaving. 
Right, and you know, you remember the how bad Baltimore looked a couple oh, weeks ago in London horrible. when they played Jacksonville. I mean, they're terrible, you know. And that's like I said, this is that's not a great Baltimore team, but that shouldn't happen. You know, that 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 they should be able to put a more respectable performance like that. So it's probably a, a lot of a lot of little things as far as what they're asking out of the schedule to uh to, to, that are combining to give you a, a lot of these uh, weird performances. Matt, appreciate it so much. Uh, enjoy it tonight. I uh, will do. Thanks. Matt Leon, KYW Philadelphia. We'll wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Great to have you with us here on the show today. Hope you enjoyed it. Our thanks to Joe Susan. Ben Jones, StateCollege.com, Sean McDonough of ESPN, and also Matt Leon from KYW in Philadelphia. Uh, for being on the show today, Neil Kulong tomorrow. We'll talk about the Steelers and uh, get his perspective on uh, suddenly the resurgent Steelers, who've looked absolutely terrific the last two weeks with a quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger, who has looked absolutely terrific the last two weeks. So that's what we have coming up on tomorrow's show. Paul Keels, the voice of Ohio State football, later in the week. In fact, I'm supposed to join him tonight uh, as part of, I mean, now, now, just so you understand, I'm the filler either until Urban Meyer gets there or I'm the filler on the Urban Meyer show after he has left. <laughs> but I'm supposed to join Paul on that show tonight. <laughs> Okay, I'm either I'm either the filler after Urban says thanks so much. I'll see you guys later, or I happen to be the guy that's on before he gets there. I'm sorry for being late. <laughs> but I'm, I'm one of those two. Hey, you know tonight. Got to take it how you can get it, right? Ah, uh, well, I'll do that tonight. And then Paul will return the favor and be on our show later in the week. If I had to pick someone for a play, and in the play we needed someone to portray the voice of God, Paul Keels would be my first choice. Noah. Oh, whoa. <laughs> so the voice of God coming up tomorrow, or this later this well, week? Well, not tomorrow, later this week. Later this, later week. this week. Yeah. <laughs> Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. On News Radio 1070 WKOK. Your station for news, weather, business, and CBS Sports Radio. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury and on WKOK.com.